Previously on The Tony Kornheiser Show. I have so many clothes that when I die, which could be any day now because I'm so old, whoever gets my clothes is going to have a wardrobe beyond compare. You don't want to be buried with all your clothes? No, like I'm not Egyptian King Pharaoh. Tut. No, I'm not King Tut. Not my dog. <laughs> I don't want anybody live being buried with me. Not no. even the sun-faded chinos? Hmm? Well, those. I'd like to be. I'd like to be in the orange pants. <laughs> The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. All righty, Jeannie McManus is here with us today. Nigel is here with us, doing the show in the house. Not yet ready to go to the studio. Coming up soon, I think. I got a letter the other day. It says, Dr. Anthony Kornheiser Hoff-Wolf. It's beautifully addressed. Yes. Ooh, look at that. What's that, silver? It's beautifully addressed. Silver and gold. It's just beautifully addressed. And I'm going to read it to you. Because it's a wedding invitation. It says, together with their families... Christine Elizabeth Lilly and Ryan Joseph Chait request the honor of your presence at their wedding October 16th, 2021, 6.15 p.m. at the Plum Street Temple in Cincinnati, Ohio. Now, you know, that's optimistic, <laughs> given, given what's going on uh, and masking and all of that. I hope they're not listening. Yeah. Well, no, they're listening. They're listening. It's optimistic. We wish them all the luck in the world. But yes. I know a lot of people have had to postpone one, two, three, four times, yeah. and stuff like that. And my advice to all of them is just go get married. If it's important to you, yeah. just yeah. go get married, get this done legally if it's important to you, and then when everything's good, have the party. Have a big party. But right. nobody listens to me. Nobody ever listens to me. And by the way, all those gifts you're expecting at your wedding, they're going to be in boxes 15 years from now. So yeah, it doesn't matter. Don't do it because of the, yeah, the don't, gifts. Don't, don't. They'll be up in your room. So this is from Ryan. And he writes, Dear Dr. Tony Hoff-Waff, I would like to take the time to personally invite you to my wedding to my lovely fiance Christine, on October 16th in Cincinnati, Ohio. She's a fellow English major and, while not a sports fan, has come to love your show. Unfortunately, the wedding is not being held at the Camargo Country Club. It's too bad because that's nice. But if you can make it, we'll be sure to have a cup of Grater's Coffee ice cream brought to you after dinner. Mm -hmm. Enclosed, you'll find details of our nuptials while my bride-to-be registered for many beautiful things. I only desired a trash can and a revolution toaster. Ooh, that's it. That's, that's the list. Hope this letter finds you well and anxiously await your response in reverence. Ryan from Cincinnati. It's beautiful. Everything about it is beautiful. None of us is going to it. We wish you all the success we in do. the world. Yes. We hope it comes off. Yeah, when you, said, when you said optimistic, I laughed because I thought you meant it was optimistic to think that we would make it to that. Oh, no, no, it's yes. optimistic. It's, when yeah. People that are planning things and have planned them for years. Yeah. I know. Uh, and thought they were free. Thought they were home free about four months ago. Didn't count on the old Delta variant. No. Mm -mm. You know, and by the way, when the Delta variant is done with us... The Lambda. There's another, yeah. Coming the Gamma, the, the yeah. Kappa, yeah. the yeah. Rho, all the variants. <laughs> yeah. All the variants. Because, Gene, you were saying before we went on the air, we could be living with this forever. Well, some doctors are saying that. That's part of our life. Now, we'll learn how to deal with it, hopefully, with vaccines. But this no. thing just, it, you know what? It's like the creature in the movie Alien. It starts off this little snake plummeting out of John Hurd's stomach. And the next thing you know, it's as big as a spaceship and yeah. crawling in and out of everywhere. Yeah. yeah. So that's what's, you know, that. And I, I, I don't. I don't want to say I don't feel bad for people who plan weddings. Of course I feel bad for people who plan weddings. If you ask me who I feel the worst for, I feel the worst for kids of an age of about 10 to 15 who have had their lives turned around, their parents as well have had their lives turned around. They don't go to school. 
and they were they're old enough to know what school is and what school is supposed to be and they don't have that anymore i don't feel as bad for my grandchildren they're four and two you know maybe they come out of this or, or, or whatever happens with them this will be the life that they understand but if you're 12 or 13 or 14 or 17 you know you you know what this is Chessy, are you whining in sympathy with these people, or do you and need you to go anywhere? What? There's so much socializing, social skills that happen during those ages. Think of on the playground. Them. And they miss them. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. And they miss them. You know, and, and you don't get that back. No. You know, you don't make that up in, in the way that you want to make that up. So, anyway, I feel badly. I feel sorry for seniors in high school, too. That miss Three like, years in a row. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, which come on, sort of deprived of that grand year. Yeah, the you know? prom, it's three the years in a row, the tournament, and the, you're and as you said, you're old enough to remember like life before, and now, right. and it's all taken away. Yeah, yeah. So. so let me get to something of a much lighter vein, and <clears throat> something that will make you happier than this nonsense I'm talking about, and that is the Field of Dreams game last night, and I understand cynicism. Believe me, I made a living on cynicism for a long time. <laughs> and I abetted that. <laughs> yeah. I understand how you would say to yourself, it's just a money grab. It's just nonsense. It's not real. You know, I, I get it. I get all of that. All of that, by the way, is true. Chess, come on now. All of that, by the way, is true. But if you're like me and you tuned in right at the beginning and you saw the overhead aerial shot of this particular field, and you saw the corn, and you saw Kevin Costner, and I'm not saying he didn't ham it up, he's an actor. I'm not saying he didn't. But you saw Kevin Costner, you bought in. You had to buy in, right, Gene? Yes. You had to buy in. I'm as cynical as you, and I did buy in to a certain degree. I mean, all the sort of jokes we have about the emerald chessboard. Yeah. The emerald chessboard was hyped up last night. It was actually emerald last night. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. And also, I'd love to talk to Aaron Hornaday about this, but I, I had trouble with the idolatry of a mediocre movie. So I was on PTI yesterday, and we, we introduced this segment, and Pablo talks for a while, and Pablo says he's seen drips and drabs in the movie, hasn't seen the whole thing. And I said, okay, let me give you a quick review of the movie. It's good, it's not great. It's yep. schmaltzy, not smaltzy, it's schmaltzy. Okay? He's done a lot of sports movies, and the best one he ever did was Bull Durham. Yes. Bull Durham's yes. a great movie. It is. Yes. It's a great movie. Yes. Field of Dreams is not a great movie. It's, it's, it's not. Okay. But, but it, has, it has the one thing that the other movies don't have. It has the literature of the sport behind it. It has the mythology of the sport yep. behind it. This particular sport, baseball, is a rural sport. The literature of baseball is replete with people who hit the cover off the ball somewhere in the country and then get on a train to the big city. Mm -hmm. That's what baseball mm -hmm. is. This is that. And when Kevin Costner walks through the cornfield, holding the ball, holding the sunglasses, whatever, you know, and it's not just that. You can, you can say, okay, that's a little over the top. Okay, maybe it is. When the players... Come out of the cornfield. Yes. I'm sorry. Your heart melts. <laughs> yes. That's perfect. It doesn't matter what else happens. When you see Aaron Judge, 6'7 worth of Aaron Judge, walking out of the cornfield onto the field, not, you know, sort of casually. The players come out casually. The teams come out sort of together. And you just say to yourself, this is great. And I didn't stay up for all of it. I stayed up for some of it. I watched the highlight this morning. In the last inning of that game, 
Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton hit home runs to put the Yankees ahead or tie them up, up or whatever. One. Up by one, I believe. And then Tim Anderson, who's one of the best players in baseball, hits one out, walk off, 11th inning? Is that what it was? Something like that? Whatever inning oh, it was. It was in the ninth. It was in the ninth. Yeah, it was in the ninth. Walk yeah. it off, explosion of fireworks. Come on. Yeah. No, <laughs> is, there's a word for this. The word is perfect. I'm sorry. The word is perfect. And you can't... You could script it. You would script it exactly that way. The That's weather exactly. was perfect. The sky was perfect. And, yeah. you know, when those players yeah. came out of the cornfield, they're Especially not, the White Sox and the old unis. Yes. yes. They're yeah. not actors. And oh. yet they just knew exactly how to do it. It was, it was great. And, you know, the great, the, the great, there's two great lines from the movie, Build It and They Will Come, of course. The other one is this heaven knows Iowa. <laughs> I mean, right. you know, you're, if you're... If you're Iowan on any level, you must feel so proud today. Yes. Chuck Todd wrote me a note that that field is used for a lot of political rallies. And I asked him, what, does the governor come out of the court? Is that, <laughs> is that how it works in Iowa? Is, is that politics, how it works? Right? Is it, is it Governor Joni Ernst, is that her name? Or is she a senator? She's I, a senator. From Iowa? She come out of the court, you know, to, to see that? I, I just, I saw it and I just said, yeah, just great. It's just great. And... Again, the movie itself, the, the, one of the things that's interesting, that movie was released in 1989. 70% of the players in that game last night were born after that movie was released. Yeah. I don't know how many of them have seen it. Right. It's not, it's, it's not the greatest baseball movie ever. It's really not. Yeah. It's not. Um, the Natural is a far greater movie. For sure. Far greater movie. Natural's a great movie. Yes. You know, but, but Field of Dreams, the title is great. The premise is great, and I'm sorry. If you don't start crying when Costner has a catch with his father, I mean, you're not alive. I mean, it is a very manipulative movie, and God bless it for the way it manipulates you. Because it doesn't manipulate you to any anger or anxiety. It ma manipulates you to wonderment and gratitude, and, and it, it clutches, right? Am I going crazy here for no reason? Um, well, no, you're not. And again, you know how there are chick movies, and I know Anne Hornaday hates that expression. <laughs> but there but, are. But there are chick movies. I tend and, to like them. And this is a guy it is. Movie. It's and a guy movie. No particular rap on that. And I, it's nice to have men showing their emotions at, yeah. at a movie. I, in, I support that. Um, so it, it's not quite the same for me, I think, as much as I love baseball. Yeah, I, I mean, Bull Durham is a great, great movie. The Natural is a great, great movie. The movie about the women's baseball team, uh, oh, uh, League of Their, of Their Own. Own, it's a great movie. It's yeah. tremendous. It's a great movie. Yes. This, not a great movie, but this is enduring because of the name of the movie and the setting of the movie and the fantasy quality of it. You know, and again, when they come out of the corn. <laughs> I mean, I mean it, it's a fairy tale. It's a myth. Yeah. It really yeah. is. It's got all the elements of a classic fairy tale. Yeah. So, I mean, it's great. The only thing I would quibble when you say it was perfect, the, the ending last night, you're right. But if I could just put it over the top. If the, the Red Sox had won? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, the game would have ended with somebody making a slide at home plate, just like Trey Turner did the other night. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Which is, I don't know why that's a mesmerizing slide, but it just seems to be perfect. So it was, it was, that was good. And it leads me, of course, to talk about the Nats. And I'll make this brief. They stink. As I said a week and a half ago, and I stand by it a week and a half later, they will not win 10 games for the rest of the year. 
They're a minor league team with minor league pitching and minor league hitting. That's what they are. They yep. managed to lose in the last inning. All that it's, yep. They're like the uh, Washington Generals playing the Globies. They lose in the last minute all the time. Yep. <laughs> Kyle Finnegan, who you had some hope for, comes in. Boom, see you around. Yeah. Pete Alonso, home run, second game. And, and I was – the amazing thing about that is I was watching that live because I knew it was on. It started fairly early. I had forgotten it was a seven-inning game. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Double it, I, it just, you know, I didn't, it didn't occur to me. So when Alonzo hits it out, I think to myself, okay, we'll go get him. No, you don't go get him. It's over. <laughs> it's seven innings. That's it. It's the bottom of the seventh. Yeah, they're a dreadful team. Absolutely dreadful. So um, we will have Pat Forty on. When we return, I know that some of you are 40'd out, I suspect. Oh, not me. But I think we want to hear him talk about his daughter. We want to hear him review all of this. I want to ask him the same questions (laughs) again and again and again and again. That's what I do. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the ex-chair read, and they write, The unknown came in 2020 and changed the workplace forever. While some of us are getting back to the office, some of us find ourselves in a new normal at home. Me. The future of work has changed, and so has the future of seating. X-Chair is at the forefront of home and office seating during this transition, and now X-Chair's newest innovation, LMAX Temperature Regulation, ETR, will take your seating comfort to a whole new level. Patent-pending LMAX allows you to experience cooling, heat, and massage in your low back. Feeling a bit warm this summer? Set your LMAX to cooling. Air conditioning in your home and office? Cranked up too high? Set your LMAX to heating so you can warm up and soothe tired muscles. Feeling stressed from too many Zoom calls? Don't shoot the computer as I would do. Turn on LMAX massage therapy and relax. X-Chair's patented dynamic variable lumbar DVL support was already best in class with incredible responsive low back support. Now with LMAX, your comfort is guaranteed. You won't believe the difference till you feel it for yourself. Imagine regulating your body temperature and getting massage therapy while you're working. My friend Jody is so happy. He got the casters. Oh, he he said he was racing around the room, (laughs) even on the carpet with the casters like Parnelli Jones, the old race car driver. Jody's so happy. Go to xchairtony.com now. That's the letter X, chair, tony.com, or call 1-844-4X-CHAIR to receive $100 off your order. X-Chair is a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort. You can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. Go to xchairtony.com now and use the code XWHEELS for free X-Wheel blade casters just like Dr. Jody Forstott. xchairtony.com. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is from Brian Meyer. In Baldwin, Maryland, who writes, I've been listening and enjoying music from my friend Brett's band, Tribe Jackson, for years, but never had a strong enough connection to the show to send in one of their songs with an accompanying email. That was until Monday's show when I had my very own David Aldridge moment during the discussion of Michael's anniversary. When his wedding date was mentioned to be August 2nd, 2014, I shouted to no one in particular. I know that date because I, too, got married on that day seven years ago. I now feel better knowing the only reason Mr. Tony didn't accept his invitation to my ceremony was his presumed attendance at his son's. And it couldn't have had anything to do with my only sending it years after the fact as a way to get a sticker out of Nigel. This is Tribe Jackson. This is a song called Telephone. This is sent to us by Brett Dean, who is the bassist and guitarist of Tribe Jackson. And, uh, and that was accompanied in Brian's email. Pat Forty joins us now. We have Pat Forty on all the time because Pat Forty's really good, but also because he's in a unique situation, as we all know, that his daughter, Brooke, 
made the Olympic team, swam in the Olympics, won an Olympic medal. Pat wrote a great story on SI.com about the entire experience there. But I'm just going to repeat all the questions that anybody would ask of Pat Forty. So we'll start with, overall, how was it? Did it, did it indeed live up to your dreams? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, it, it was such a weird Olympics because of everything you couldn't do. But the fact that I could be there and to watch Brooke swim and to be able to share the moment with her, uh, you know, and run down to the mix zone, which is the area where the athletes have to come through after they compete and stand in the little media area and just have that moment with her, you know, wow. I mean, that's, that's so far beyond anything you'd actually really dream of happening. Uh, you know, you, you, I guess you could dream it, but, but realistically think it could happen. It was way beyond that. Do you feel, did you feel any remorse, any guilt that you were there, your wife wasn't there, the others in your family weren't there? Was there a little pang of conscience that said, oh, feel a little bad about this? Oh, totally. Yeah, that, that, that was... Uh, recurring for sure and you know my wife trisha was great about it she you know she she at least understood that nobody else could be there either you know if if there were every other olympic parent there except her then i think that would have been harder but still you know they and the hometown community was wonderful they you know they they had a watch party for our little our little neighborhood team about 50 people got together and watched at 6 30 in the morning with trisha and and the rest of, of her family and so she got to have at least that feeling. But still, it's not the same after being the person who got up far more often than I did at 4.20 a.m. and got the kids yeah. packed up and off to practice. You know, she, she, she missed that reward at the end, and I felt bad for her. And really for every Olympic parent that couldn't be there. So how do you settle that in your family? Do you just throw cash at everybody? Do you just say, <laughs> go buy something you want, but you're never going to have this experience that I had? Ha ha. Do you do that? Because I would do that. So I'm a terrible person. I'm a terrible human being. Yeah, so. the negotiations are ongoing. Um, but as, as, as Richard Gere said in, in, in uh, Pretty Woman, there needs to be a lot more sucking up. Uh, I I think that 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 message has gotten across to me. (laughs) You were awfully lucky, buddy, and uh, you need to continue to show your appreciation that you got to be there. Did your daughter, did you first, but did your daughter as well, feel any sense of being cheated by there being no fans there? Because most of the time in swimming, you're not performing in front of fans, but in a lot of athletic venues, you are performing in front of fans and you come to be used to it. Any sense of cheating on that? A little bit. You know, I mean, I, <clears throat> having been in those big venues with, for the big meets, for the Olympics and, and for Olympic trials, when you get 15,000 or 20,000 people there, the energy is incredible. And yes, for, for, uh, for swimmers, it's not like if you're a college football or basketball player, you're like, yeah, right. this is every week, you know? Yeah. So you, you yeah. really, you get revved up and you cherish those chances. And, and to not have that uh, was really, you know, that's too bad. I, and I, I do think, I, I can't say that's why there weren't as many world records. There's probably other reasons that factored in more, but I think that there's just a little bit of that lacking energy. And Brooke even said, she said when she was down on the deck, you know, getting ready for their relay that 
she could like pick out specific voices of the of her American teammates, like oh that's Gunner and oh that you know that's Olivia. I mean you could you could because there it was just so sparse, so you could you could kind of pick that out, and that that's really not the ideal. But that's you know they I think that they they said this all along. If it's choice between no Olympics or an Olympics with no fans, we'll certainly take the yeah. Olympics with no fans. So we all watch our kids at some point do something. It's not usually on the level of the Olympics, but we watch them have some sort of an accomplishment here or there. I remember when my son was playing his last golf match in college and he got to the 18th hole and he said, this is it for me. Because he was not, he's not going to be a pro or anything like that. He said, this is it for me. This is my last competitive drive. What would you like me to do? And I said, why don't you pipe it right down the middle? You know, because I was, I was there. But it's not the Olympics. It's not the Olympics. The Olympics is, is mythic. I mean, it really is mythic. How did you feel about watching your daughter in the Olympics? Yeah, overwhelmed. Um, but, you know, I mean, one of the things that's, I think this, why this whole thing has resonated with so many people is everybody can relate to that, to your son's last drive on his last hole. You know, whatever their kid is, where, whatever that level may be, it may be middle school. It may be a middle school yeah. band concert. It may be a, you know, a high school forensics debate. I mean, whatever. So, you know, the, the, you're meeting your kid where they are and hoping to go with them on the ride as far as they can. But, like, to, to have the ride go to the Olympics is so preposterous. And even though, Tony, I mean, she's been good a long time, and that's why we've talked about her on this stupid show for a long time. You know? <laughs> right, but, right, right, right. Uh, but still, you just don't really want to let yourself think when she's 15, yeah, she's going to the Olympics, because it's too much. The chances are still against her. The chances were against her up until the very day she made it. And... So to have that then come to fruition and then to be there, and I remember, you know, like she's going to swim in like two hours, and I am outside the building like just trying to be calm. And I did get this feeling of gratitude, like, my gosh, look where we are. Look how lucky I am to have this moment. And so I at least was able to appreciate that and just kind of put away the nerves and just say, this is awesome. Did you get that conversation? Were you able to talk to her before she actually went in the water? Or did you, were you not able to do that? Yeah, no, we, uh, you know, she's made it pretty clear over the years that she's not into the, like, the philosophical conversation or the rah-rah speech or the pep talk <laughs> right. or anything. Like, like, I don't need that out of y'all. You just, <laughs> you know, so, so we don't go there. Um, okay. You know, it's up to, up to her to get herself ready, and, and she will do that. She has done that. Later on, yeah, then we can have the appreciative discussion, you know, and and just kind of soak it in. But beforehand, you know, she's doing her thing, and I'm sitting there saying, good luck, babe. So how do you, how is it that for you that she did not swim in the final? She was out there in the qualifying, but she did not swim in the final. Are you okay with that? Do you have mixed feelings about that? Did she have mixed feelings about that? No, no mixed feelings at all. I mean, they made the right decisions based on times, which is, you know, one of the great things about swimming, especially from a youth league standpoint, you are your time. There is no, I should be playing more. The coach doesn't like me, any of that. You know, it's like, if you're fast enough, you're going to swim. And so she's fast enough to make the team. She swims in the prelims, swims great, swims her fastest time of her life, gets them well positioned. You look at the rest of the time, she was third fastest before. They're going to replace two, so they replace two. And who do they replace them with? Allison Schmidt and Katie Ledecky, who have won like 20 Olympic medals. So pretty good, pretty good people to sub in there. So 
No problem with that whatsoever. I think she was just really happy and relieved that she did her job and then could go up and sit in the stands and cheer her hardest for her teammates. So you mentioned that she swam our best time ever in the prelim. Was she swimming in the Ledecky spot? Was she the anchor in the prelim? She was, yes. And, there, you know, there was a little bit of pressure, a little bit of nervousness there. She did allow that uh, beforehand, you know, that, that when you're anchoring a re- an Olympic relay, prelims or not, that's a pretty big spot. So, uh, fortunately, she was, you know, she was staked to a good lead by her teammates. So, you know, she, was, she went into the water in good position and kept that position for them. So when the finals occur, she's not in the finals. Are you rooting in the same way? Are you rooting for a specific color medal? Are you okay with silver? The way the race turned out, the way Ledecky almost, if I mean, if she had 20 more yards, she probably catches and, and wins the whole thing. What are your emotions with your daughter, not in that particular race, but with the medal on the line? Yeah, I'd say probably 10 more yards, and Ledecky gets there. But still, uh, it was I, I was nowhere near as nervous, um, but I was super, super excited. And then after the first leg, it's like, oh, boy, there's four teams in the mix, and the United States is fourth. It's like, this, this isn't going to be easy. And, yeah, like, at that point, there was no greed involved. It's like any medal they put around my kid's neck is a great medal. Uh, and, you know, it looks like, I mean, I thought on paper, silver, And that's what it looks like at best. And then it looks like, okay, it's going to be bronze. And then Katie goes in and does her thing. And, you know, Brooke and Katie are very good friends. So that kind of upped the excitement level that you're watching her do her thing and just swim this monster leg. And she goes by the Australians and she almost gets the Chinese. Yeah. And I was, I was actually standing with, Barry Sverluga and, and Dave Shiner from the Washington Post, good friends of mine, and, and I was bending down, and I was like right in Sverluga's ear, and I was like, holy F, holy F, Katie may do this, Katie may do this, we may get a gold medal. That's oh, so great, that's so great. Um, I, in my life, I was on a championship softball team in Long Beach. You know, that's the best thing I ever did. I pitched on a championship softball team in a beer league. That's it. That's that's it for me, and it's 45 years ago. What's the best thing you ever won? What's what's the thing you won? You didn't win a, a silver medal. What'd you win? Oh, God. I was an honorable mention all-state tight end in Colorado, and I was recruited by the lofty likes of St. Mary's of the Plains College in Dodge City, Kansas. So that's pretty strong, I would have to say. Okay. So is is um is Brooke the last of your athletic children, or is there are there more athletic children where you could conceivably go through this same routine, or is she it? She's it. Uh, she's the youngest of the three. All three were college swimmers. I mean, we just have had the time of our lives um, watching them through high school and through college. Oldest son, Mitchell, swam at Missouri. And God help him, he's now a sports writer. I don't know where he went wrong. Uh, middle child, Clayton, swam at Georgia, had a great career, and got to watch some of his teammates and friends win medals uh, in, in this Olympics, which was really exciting. And he's getting his master's degree and wants to coach swimming. And Brooke's the baby. And um, so th- that was it. And she's going to swim a fifth year at Stanford and get her master's in epidemiology. And she will hang up the suit. And on March 20th, 2022, she will be what they call a swammer. She will go from swimmer to swimmer. <laughs> and she's going to go to med school, right? She's going to go to med school. 
Uh, TBD, um, that's certainly okay. one of the possibilities. I think she would like to do like maybe a year in the Peace Corps in South America. She's fluent in Spanish and go see the world a little bit and then come back and make her decision from there. But you're done, and your wife, more importantly, is done with packing them up and putting them in the car at 420 to go be in a swim meet, right? That's over. That's over. Oh, yeah. Hey, that was the best okay. thing about them going to college. It all became so much easier, you know? Yeah. We just showed up in the stands and watched them. We didn't have to feed them or transport them or wake them up or anything. So the way this works, somewhere down the road, 15, 20 years from now, that medal is going to be in a closet somewhere. Or it's going to be displayed in your daughter's house, but it's, you know, it's not going to be the center of attention because our lives go on. Do you get to hold the medal? Do you say, hold on a second, honey. If you're not going to use this, I'm putting this in the middle of the living room. Right? Do you get that? Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I definitely got that. And she did, uh, shortly after she got the medal, she did say, you want to hold it? I was like, hell yeah. Let me have yeah. that. Let me put it on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's heavy. It's beautiful. I mean, you, you put that thing around your neck, and it, it, it feels like an Olympic medal. And that's one of, another one of those moments like, this is actually transpiring. My kid is an Olympic silver medalist. It's, it's crazy. Do you get to, and I don't know how this works, do you get to put, is your name on it? Do you get to put your own name on it? What is actually on, say, the back of it? Does it say yeah, what okay, race so it was? They, they say on the side, on, engraved on the side, said women's 4x200 freestyle relay. Um, and okay. then on the front, I, I, I'm not even sure what's supposed to be the front of the back, but they have the Tokyo logo. Right. Uh, and then on the back, they have um, the ancient Greek stadium. And uh, I, I think it might be Aphrodite. or Maybe not Aphrodite. I'm, I'm probably bollocksing who's on the medal. But, uh, right. but it's a very nice medal. It's wonderful. And, and Brooke did a nice thing. She did signings here at her local clubs when she got back. And she brought the medal. And she put it around the neck of every little kid that came up to get her autograph. It was really cool. That's really good. Look, you've been a, a great sport to... Take us with you on this entire ride. Appreciate it. The next time is just going to be college football or college basketball. You're back to the salt mines. But you've been great to do this. And I, I hope that, that the, anybody out there who listens to the show who says hello to you, you know, I, I, I hope that was fun for you, too. Uh, it's been so fun. So fun to talk to you guys about it and have your interest in it. Because I have heard from everybody. But real quick, before I go, Brooke was on a flight back up. She flew Tokyo to L.A., L.A. to Chicago, and she sat next to somebody said, who was a big fan of that podcast where you talk about me, and he knew an alarming amount about our family. So <laughs> the littles are everywhere. And they're it's so great. It's so great. Thank you, Pat. Congratulations to you and your daughter and your whole family. Thanks very much. Thank you, Tony. Pat Forty, boys and girls. It's, it's just been great. It's just been great to see the progress of it and the fact that she swam and swam great and got a medal. It's just been wonderful. We'll take a break. We'll do some news when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Policy Genius ad. As you prep for back-to-school season, slide securing life insurance onto that to-do list between buying a protractor and some number two pencils. <laughs> Policy Genius makes math heads. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare quotes and get covered. Summer's almost over and responsibility's about to rear its head. Get ahead of reality and get some life insurance. Get it done now with Policy Genius. You can get free quotes in minutes. 
Policy Genius makes it easy to compare quotes from over a dozen top insurers all in one spot. Why compare? You could save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius. You could save $1,300 or more per year on life insurance by using Policy Genius to compare policies. The licensed experts at Policy Genius work for you, not the insurance companies, so you can trust them to help you navigate every step of the shopping and buying process. And eligible applicants can get covered in as little as a week, thanks to an award-winning policy option that swaps the standard medical exam requirement for a simple phone call. Getting started is easy. First head to policygenius.com. In minutes, you can work out how much life insurance coverage you need, and you can compare personalized quotes to find your best price. When you're ready to apply, the Policy Genius team will handle the paperwork and scheduling for free. Head to policygenius.com to get started right now. Policy Genius, when it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Sounds like West Side Story. A little bit. That's how West Side Story begins. Mm-hmm. Sounds like that. This is called At This Point in Time. It's by Quinn Kirshner. The email that we get is from Paul in Bloomfield, New Jersey, and he said this will be my third email read on the air. You may remember me from such hits as my hotel room in Colombo, Sri Lanka, is a two-sarong type situation, followed up by sending you my parents a Medina Country Club parking pass a few years later. Now I'm here to introduce you to the musical stylings of one of my best friends, Quinn Kirshner. Along with Wilbon, Quinn and I are graduates of Chicago's own St. Ignatius. Quinn is a drummer, composer, improviser, and DJ from Chicago. After high school, Quinn got start, started performing around New Orleans while as a student at the University of New Orleans studying under Ellis Marsalis. That's all of the Marsalis tree, is it not? He has led countless large and small groups as well as playing and touring with Nomo in tall buildings in Wild Bell. His musical talents have been showcased on stages all across North America. He released a debut album called The Other Side of Time. It's a 90-minute collage of jazz beats and improvisation. This is At This Point in Time. Anybody who wants to send in music, Nigel, original music, or if your best friend allows you to do it and gives you a cover letter, how do they do it? You can send it to uh, jingles at TonyCornizerShow.com. And as you said, yeah, your original works, if it's your, if it's your friend you know, or your nephew or niece, just make sure they email us as well and tell us it's okay. You can't be like, oh, yeah, I'm friends with Paul McCartney. You should play Yesterday. That's a brilliant song. Well, to be fair, Isaacson sent in... That great stuff by Shannon McNally. But Shannon also emailed us right. and said it's fine. That stuff's great. Oh, that's fantastic. Great. Yeah. And, and She's if, from Hempstead? This is so hard for me to believe. And by the way, if you can... Nobody from Hempstead... Did anything? Does No, that sings like that. You have to change your accent. You've got to change everything around. So... And if Paul McCartney does want to email us and say it's okay to play some of his songs... Oh, we're pals. You know, yeah. I told you this. I touched his elbow. <laughs> the highlight of my life. Touching Paul McCartney's elbow. Touch okay. Uh, you have news. I do indeed, Mr. Tony. Gene um, and I are ready. We will start off with baseball, uh, piggybacking off of uh, the Field of Dreams. The Field of Dreams has ended for one Chris Davis of the Baltimore Orioles. He has retired after 13 years in the league. So there was a period of time, there was about a five or four or five year period of time, when Chris Davis had the most home runs in baseball for Baltimore. He said like 197, I think I read yesterday. Then he signed an enormous contract and went straight yeah. into the dumper. Yeah. He hasn't. Like three years into the contract, he's bat, he bats under 200. Bats under 200 year after year after year. Uh, he's, he can't play. Yeah. And he could play. And it actually went overnight, right? It, it went overnight. He's got to have been a head case, right? And remember, there was 
day after day he went out and was getting nothing, nothing. right after he signed that contract. And no, they were like booing him out of the 50. stadium. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, for 50, something really yes. terrible. Now he's got money to console him, but he can't be happy. Mm-mm. Seven years, $161 million. The, the whole contract, oh. I guess he's retiring before the contract is paid out, but he'll be paid in full. Um, I want to read. But it has to be paid in full. Yeah. Well, well, it's a good well, faith agreement. Well, he's retiring because of, uh, I guess he had a hip injury, he had, he had some sort of surgery in the offseason, hadn't played at all this season. He's retiring because he stinks, can't play. Yeah. yeah. And I want to quote one Dave Shinen, who wrote this in 2019. A $161 million, he's talking about Davis, a $161 million hitter who can no longer hit, a franchise cornerstone slugger who can no longer slug, a player is too unproductive to trade, too expensive to release, too tenured to send to the minors without his consent, and too healthy, prideful, and accustomed to guaranteed yearly salaries of $23 million to walk away. Feels like it sums it up. Peter Angelos deserves that. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> With his mass and deal. Yeah. The mass and deal is yeah. really bad. Yeah. Yes. You know, is. honestly, the Baltimore Orioles, who have a great historical fan base and have been very, very good for a very long time, are not competitive now and haven't been for a while. It's not like the Nats sort of strip mining the team. It's not like that. They're not competitive. And baseball needs to consider. Uh, saying to the ownership there, you, you either change or you go. Move along. Yeah. And they have a great stadium. It's a great stadium. It's the most beautiful. And they have really good is. crap cakes. Yes, yes. And barbecue. And they treat Boots barbecue you, yeah. is fantastic. And unlike some other places you could talk about, they treat you nicely when you go there. Yes, they oh, do. Oh, sure. Anything I can get for you, hon? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh. And it is, as you say, it's, it's got a great history. And yeah. baseball fans are fantastic. Yeah. Uh, to basketball slash golf. Uh, Mr. Tony, there is. This a- is a very intriguing story, Gene. J.R. Smith, uh, an NBA stand-up, played in the league. I, I think won a couple of titles, right? He played with LeBron on a couple of championship teams. I think he may be originally from New York City. I'm not sure about that. He was one of those kids who came out in high school. Like, he joined the league. This is before one and done. He's been in the league 12, 13, 14 years. He's the guy who, when they won the championship, took, took off his shirt and didn't have a shirt on for the rest of the time in Cleveland. Right. So he's, he, was, he was a good player. Go ahead. And he's enrolled at North Carolina A&T. Again, has no, historic black school. Mm-hmm. Um, and is trying to play on the men's golf team. He's a good player. Wilbon always talks about J.R. Smith. J.R. Smith's about a four or a five. He's a good player. He wants to go to college. He's not going back to college. He never went to college. Yeah, he's going. He's, it seems to me he's got eligibility in college. Maybe not for basketball because he played professional basketball. Maybe not. I don't know. I doubt he has eligibility for basketball. But why wouldn't he have eligibility for golf? Why couldn't he play on the North Carolina A&T golf team if he was good enough to make it? Well, per the NCAA rules, an individual shall not be eligible for intercollegiate athletics in a sport if the individual individual ever competed in a professional team okay. in that sport, so which he, he has not. So, yeah, he can right. he's out of team. basketball. Yeah. What do you think of him? Now, he's, he's 35, 36, 38. He's not a kid. He's going to go to this college, and he's going to be the oldest person in the college. It's going to be like when Rodney Dangerfield went back to school. <laughs> <laughs> right? What do you what do you think about that? It's great, good for him. I mean, I'm jealous of somebody who's that good in one sport, not to mention in two. But I think there's a isn't there a lot of NBA golf cro- crossover? Like Jordan and all those guys are just Steph huge. Curry. Yeah, Steph Curry. A really right. good player. Ray Allen's a really good player. Right. J.R. Smith, to me, 
He's got all the money in the world. If he wants to spend some time playing golf in college, <laughs> let him do it. Sure. Although if you are the parent of someone who's 18 or 19 or 20 and J.R. Smith aces out your kid, yeah. then how do you feel? Kicked off. Yeah. Yeah. Then how do you feel? Yeah. So and good. if you're a four or a five, if you're a four or a five, you're not an automatic on a golf team. You're not. I'm sorry. Most of those guys are like better than that. They're ones and twos. They're not fours and fives. It's amazing. So uh, to Jeopardy, Mr. Tony, it appears as if the, the two, there are going to be two new hosts of Jeopardy moving forward to replace the late Alec Trebek. Uh, it will be Mike Richards. I thought it was going to be Keith Richards, but he was out, apparently. The, who, is, who is Mike Richards? He is the show's executive producer. Gene, doesn't that sort of feel like the fix was in on that? I don't like him either. I mean, he's only been producer, I think, For, a couple of years, right? La, just N last Nigel. year. Just last year. And he joined, it's yes. previously on The Price is Right, I think, where two of the showroom models accused him of some sort of harassment and oh he was just extreme he came right oh. out of the box and was extremely slick he's not in the alex trebek mode now the woman on the other hand i like her what's yes. her name um mayim bialik i think yeah. i'm getting that yeah. she was on correctly. one of those sitcoms for 20 years big bang theory yeah. and also Which and I, I never watched i never watched it. i love this she, she's this if she walked she... in here with a sweatshirt that said i am mayim bialik i would not know Co correct her. I, this is I, how I she's described in the write-up i understand she's very smart though the big bang theory actress and neuroscientist <laughs> i heard she actually has a phd from ucla i don't know if that's true that was going around the room the other day about who because i said who is she who is she but i don't you know i don't i don't think you have to be brilliantly smart to host a game show even that game show and she wasn't playing smarts i mean she just came out she had a complete grasp of the show right from the start did not have the deer in the headlight look that a lot of them had oh my god johnny gilbert just introduced me i'm mm. on the jeopardy stage well she's no. an actress she's supposed to know yeah how to well do there are that. plenty of seasoned people did we want aaron Rodgers to get the yeah job? i liked him he wasn't the best but i, I liked him who did you think was the best um, I thought Robin Roberts was very good. Right. Um, I liked Katie Kirk and Savannah Guthrie as well. I mean, I don't know if they wanted that job or was just a, you know, Robin Roberts, them. I'm willing to bet, makes more money at Good Morning America than they could pay her at Jeopardy. Yeah. Robin Roberts, real good for a long time. Yes. Everybody loves her. Yes. Probably makes a pile of dough. Katie Kirk at the moment got a pile of dough, not making a pile of dough, no. probably. She's not working, right? Savannah Guthrie makes a pile of dough. Yeah. But but she has to get up at one in the morning to do it. That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's so right. So you never know. Because you could tape all those Jeopardy shows in like a month, right? And be off for several months. You could do the Maury Povich lifestyle <laughs> and play golf every day. Speaking of, because now I am hooked on Jeopardy, um, there's a guy on right now who's won over a half million dollars. I really? think he's been on... 15 or 16 straight shows. Wow. This guy, he starts at the 1,000s. So he starts at the most expensive That's intimidating one. to everybody else. And whatever category it is, yeah. I mean, it. he's amazing. He's described as a graduate student in New Haven. So we assume so, it's Yale. Yeah, I guess. We assume it's Yale. Yeah, but I mean... Unless it's the University of New Haven. Yeah, UNH. <laughs> Any category. I mean, there's a couple of soft spots he's had, like maybe Broadway shows or something, but the rest just goes right across the board. Wow. 
Okay. I thought John Daly should be considered for the host. I just thought that <laughs> John Daly, the golfer? Yes, I think that would have been great. Yeah. I don't think they gave him a tryout. <laughs> they, they didn't give him a fair shot. That's the way it should be <laughs> right. phrased, <Yeah>. yes. <laughs> uh, Mr. Tony, this story comes to us, <clears throat> excuse me, from one Jeannie McManus, who, uh, who thought we should bring this to your attention. Now, we got through the problem of the, um, the cicadas, which really wasn't as, ba- as bad this year as it has been in years past. That's fine. However... The corpses that the cicadas left are now being feasted on by these mystery little bugs, these wood mites. Oh, and they bite you. It's I've actually, their, some... it's their eggs that they're feasting yes, on. Yes, oh, I'm sorry, they're feasting yes. on the eggs. I've had yes. some of these bites. Yes. I've had the bites. Yeah, they, they're falling from trees yes. and they land on you. And you, they're microscopic. Yes. And they can bite through your clothes. Well, they bite, I had a, right in my elbow area, yeah. I had one of the big and bites. And they are airborne. So, I mean, you can be walking in... A wood of maple trees, a forest of maple trees, but you could still get like an oak mite that's just flying by on the wind. Have you have you had that? Yeah, a couple. A couple. They last about four days. But one of my friends had a friend who wound up in an emergency room because toxic reaction to it. Yeah. Good lord. Yeah. Well, that that's unusual. I mean, that that's some genetic thing. They told her that they've had ten or eleven a day. Wow. People scratch them; they get infected. I mean, that's the thing. You got to. Yeah. Calamine lotion or something all over you. You're going to need an ocean of calamine, calamine lotion. lotion. You'll be scratching <laughs> like, like a hound the minute, the minute you start, start to mess around. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you want the story about the Got to be a lo- old to remember that song. Yeah. What song yeah. is that? Poison Ivy. Oh, Poison Coast- Ivy. The oh, the coasters. There you go. Uh, and also, I think the Hollies did it. I think the Hollies covered it. I think so. We could look that up. Somebody else. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I looked up Holly Searchers, somebody like that. The Greek god. It was not Aphrodite on the medals. Um, Who is it? It's Nike, or or otherwise known as Nike, the Greek goddess of victory. Yeah. So that's apparently been on the medal since the beginning. Um, Did you want the Russian? They got the swoosh? Are (laughs) are they sponsoring the medals? I don't know if that was a. Yeah, get us out on the Russian story. You want the Russian story or you want the bank robbery story? Oh, I don't know. Gene, which do you like more? Oh, your choice, Nigel. Yeah. Well, uh, you, you like the, ba- the, the Russian story, so we'll save the bank robbery story. Um, this is the sad tale of one ya- Yana Balabanova, age 24. She was at a wedding in the Urals in Russia at a little, uh, a little area called... Back in the USSR. <laughs> right. Sverdlovsk, which I don't think you spent a whole lot of time in. No, it's probably cold there. Look, cold. Yes. Lots of trees. Yeah. Um, and she was at this wedding, and she got in a spat with one of the guests, and she stormed out. She wasn't the bride. She, she was, was not another the bride. guest. She was just a guest at this wedding, very exclusive wedding in Sverdlovsk. Now, well, it, how exclusive was it? Well, it's exclusive because most people can't get to Sverdlovsk. Yeah. Okay. So... <laughs> And if this had been in Washington, you storm out, you get in a fight, a spat with somebody, you jump in a cab or an Uber right on Connecticut Avenue or something like that, and you're, you're whisked off to your hotel. She didn't have those options, and she was wandering out in the woods. Then she made a series of emergency, call, emergency calls stating she was lost in a wooded area. Rescue dogs were then summoned and went out to look for her on the trail, found her scent, but then it was overtaken by the smell of multiple brown bears and footprints from the animals. So we now believe that, unfortunately, Miss Balabanova has been the victim of some foul play by some brown bears or Vladimir Putin. We, <laughs> we think she was killed and eaten by bears? Yes. I think she's faking her death. Yeah. <laughs> she's, I, don't I don't know. know. I don't she's know. moved off to Spitlock. I, yeah. I, yeah. I somehow <laughs> think she's going to show up somewhere else and she's a spy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think she's a spy. It was a month ago, so no sign of her yet. 
it, all of those sorts of stories remind me of the beginning, like the first 20 minutes of the Born Identity. Yeah. It's, it's one of the greatest oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, beginnings yeah. of all time where Matt Damon, you know, he's got, whole, he's got bullet holes. That, it's floating just, in the water, yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. If you watch the first 10 minutes of the Born Identity and you don't watch the rest of the movie, you're not actually human. That, and that's a great movie. It's a great trilogy. I mean, I can watch all three of those movies. These are yeah. great movies. You don't see it coming. You just don't see it coming. Just great movies. Okay, that's good. We will take a break, and we will come back with email and jingle. Yes, email and jingle. That's right. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The best. I love it. It's the Missouri Marching Band, the actual Missouri Marching Band playing the mailbag thing. Fabulous. You want to do the Bethesda Bagels ad? We have yes. bagels for everybody today, you and Gene as well. Yes, Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. All you need to do is go to BethesdaBagels.com for the uh, location in the D.C. area nearest you, then pop on in, and you will be thrilled, my friend. This will do it for us today, but before we get to the mailbag, I'm going to read some lyrics of one of the songs that Jeannie actually loves. I think you knew that, or yes. else you wouldn't have been. Yes. He's not playing tricks on me. <laughs> You thought you were a clever girl, giving up your social world, but you can't come back and be the first in line. You're obsolete, my baby, my poor old-fashioned baby. I said, baby, 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 you're out of time. <laughs> Love that song. That was covered by the Rolling Stones and originally released by P.J. Proby. Yes. You know, not everybody knows that. I do. <laughs> Thanks to Pat Forty for joining us today and for Nigel from BBC News. <laughs> Thanks as well to today's sponsors, X-Chair and Policy Genius. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, please. From Dale Talbert in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. On March 3rd, you were kind enough to mention a book that was soon to be published on a history of UNC basketball in which Larry Brown wrote the foreword. The book is called The Tar Heels, and no, it is not available on Amazon. Uh, commercial plug here, it's available at thetarheelbook.com. You seem surprised to learn that Larry could actually write, much less a forward to the book. Well, he did, and the book is done. If you'd like a copy, it will soon be on the way to you. Lenny Rosenbluth called it the Mona Lisa of Tar Heel basketball books. Since that line has been used, maybe you can come up with one of your own. Maybe the Binghamton of basketball books. Thank you. Dale Talbot, thank you. We would love to see the book, indeed. Uh, from Hampton Nager in Dallas, Tech, Dallas, Texas. To all the Jeremiah's, Jesse's, Jack's, and Diane's out there, I want you to know that the other side of the dial isn't all that great either. Want to know why I'm ridiculous? It's because my parents saw fit to name me Hampton Nager. <laughs> At some point, all you can do is lean into it. When any introduction conjures visions of Foghorn Leghorn, cussing at passers-by from his porch, the options telescope down. Growing up, I longed for a normal name, a catchy name. Songs are catchy, right? My kingdom to have been Big Bad John instead, or even Staggerly, man, that would rule. But what do I get? Squadoosh. Well, there's that one song. Met him on a Monday and my heart stood still. Somebody told me that his name was Hampton Nager, <laughs> Dallas, Texas. But people don't seem to recall it that way. 
Command Butt, 73, to all the Jeremiah's, Jesse's, Tom Jones's, Molly's, Rhonda's, etc., who are teased because of their names, really? Sincerely, Ed Butt. <laughs> <laughs> From Kevin ha Hamilton in Ackworth, I hope, New Hampshire. The other day, in commenting on the New York Yankees trade deadline acquisitions, you surely made the Binghamton University English Department proud when you colorfully stated, the Yankees don't plant tomatoes, they go to the store and buy tomatoes. <laughs> Unfortunately for Brian Cashman, the Bronx is home to approximately 800,000 squirrels, so maybe next year. <laughs> uh, from Mike in uh, Azerbaijan, earlier this wow. Earlier this summer during Euro 2020 post-game press conference, Ronaldo switched the customary Coca-Cola bottle with a water bottle. Experts estimated the little gesture cost the company $4 billion in market value. I'm no expert, but I went back and cross-correlated every mention of Subaru on your podcast with its stock price and found that your cumulative effect on the Subaru is $10 billion. Sure, it's over quite a few years, but still, eat it, Ronaldo. I have to say there's a 100% probability that about 90% of what I just said is not true. <laughs> uh, oh, this is great. Patrick Sitter in Sioux Falls. I was so repulsed by this license plate. I picked up some Duke's mayonnaise and coated the entire vehicle with it. And it is Subawoo. S-U-B-A-W-U. Subawoo. Get out of here. From Mark Finer in Greenwich, Connecticut, I have a new problem with my dog, Doris, a mutt, 58 pounds. She eats squirrels, not rabbits. And I'm wondering if you've experienced anything like it with Chessie. On her early morning walk, she goes happily. Her late morning walk, whether with a dog walker or the woman to whom I'm related by marriage and me, is a joy. Her short walk before bed, no problem, but lately she has absolutely refused a late afternoon walk. Almost as soon as we're outside, she squats or lies down and resists any coaxing, encouraging, or simple talking. Does Chessie ever perform this Bartleby the Scrivener routine? What's a guy to do? Will evaporated milk help? Coyote urine? A more expensive toaster? Am I simply overwalking my dog? I'll hang up and listen. P.S. Today, a friend recommended an app that she uses to track her fitness. When she said it's called FitBot, I said, hey, I know that app. Alas, she didn't use the code. My dog does that. It's very, very hot. She knows it's hot outside. She doesn't want to go out. One o'clock, two o'clock. She just doesn't want to go out. You know, that's it. That's like, you put a leash on her, and she looks up, and you tug her, and she resists. <laughs> and so finally, you say, okay, you know, okay, I understand. So we're not going. Even though, because I am a creature of habit, I need her to have my habits, and she doesn't. From Kurt in Stuttgart, Germany. My mother retired a few years ago. She's been using various strategies to protect our small garden to no avail. The deer in North Minnesota keep eating them. Now, the neighbor lady has developed a better strategy. She keeps a forty-five caliber revolver in the cabinet above the sink. So when she does the dishes and sees one munching on her garden, she shoots out the window. As far as I know, there hasn't been a carcass found at the neighbors yet. Let me repeat that sentence. She keeps a 45 caliber revolver cabinet above the sink. You're out on your bike time. Everyone is always do wear white. Ah! <laughs>